Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Gifting is hard. This isn't news. But what might be news is that you can now send beer, wine, and spirits right to your friends and family with Drizzly, the go-to app for alcohol delivery. Save time shopping, save money comparing prices across stores, and spend more time sipping with your gifties. Now that's good news. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com and get your favorite drinks delivered today. Must be 21 plus. Not available in all locations. This is a podcast from Minute Media. <laughs> it would be a wolf spot, eh? Hello, 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 and welcome to today's episode of Wolves Fancast. Rich Hobbs here, and joining me on this January night, we've got Stu and Blake. How are we both today, this evening? Doing well, doing real well, especially after moving forward in the cup. Yeah, we're all, we're all up for the cup as we'll get to it. Yeah, very well. I was gonna, I was gonna say, uh, did you have FA Cup fever this weekend? Yeah, I actually did. Yeah, and I've always loved the cup. You know, I, I think that. It's rather unfortunate that some people have sort of fallen out of love with it. I know that it's not what it used to be, certainly, but still has a lot to offer, to be fair. Yeah, I was, well, was it last year or the year before when we started being like kind of up for the cup it, team? It and... was us two last year, and I think we did the third round game, which I cannot remember, but I think it was very much cemented doing the post Chorley podcast. Yeah. I think that very much defined us as the cup cast. Kids. Yeah, yeah, not like we're, we're bench warmers, we're just rotational. Yeah, but yeah, I, I think I, I was always the same. I was up until Captain Handbrake ruined it for us, and then that's why the, the, the forest game I didn't go to the forest games. I thought I'm sick of it, I'm sick of going to cup games, playing the reserves, Ruddy dropping one in, and it all being terrible. And I thought, no, I'm not doing it anymore. And then we went there and won 4 0. So I thought, well, more for me. I, I've had my uh. I've been spanked good and proper with this one. So from then on, I thought, well, okay, he's coming. He's like he said, he's here to win titles, which is amazing to hear. Um, so yeah, I mean, as soon as he said that, and then I thought, okay, he's going to take this seriously. I was well up for it. I mean, I, w- I, w- I woke up at quarter to six on, on Sunday morning, and I was up before the children in the house <laughs> just because we got fever and properly got hold of me. It was great. Yeah, love to hear it. I mean, you, you mentioned something interesting about the Forest game, which I'll kind of touch on to later in terms of, I guess, the gulf of quality between Championship and <laughs> Premier League. But under previous regimes, this might have been a game we'd have struggled against. And all right, this isn't the same Sheffield United from a couple of years ago when they took the Premier League by surprise and obviously they fell off a cliff last season. 
this was a potential banana skin if we weren't careful. And I think it kind of showed in the starting lineup how Bruno kind of kept faith with with, with a lot of the team. Were you surprised to see more that there'd be sort of more changes? Of course, sort of we had Marcel come in um at centre half. Potentially you could have had Sanderson, you had Jordan on the bench, um, you had Luke Kundle who's been a, you know in and around the the squad this season as well. Do you think that was sort of a good indication, Stu, of Naj's intent um, sort of from the off? Absolutely. I mean, I, I'm going to put it in there. I, I thought he might play one of the um, one of the grasshopper kids and give them a go, but because he had said we'll play a team to win the game, and when managers have said that in the past, that doesn't mean okay, we're going to put our first team out. We're going to play a mixture, and if they're not good enough, then that's their fault, kind of thing. So to see him with what Fabio and Ruddy really the only ones who you'd think wouldn't start in the Premier League under normal circumstances before this game, then it was uh, superb. I mean, put let's get it right. We barely beat Chorley last year. Chorley nearly beat us, and they, they had so many shots against us, and we were lucky with the strike from Vitinha to get us through in the end. So, like you said, cup sets have been all over the place this weekend. And, well, Man United being Villa, it's all recording, it's not an upset because they're both... It's mid-table crash, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Both as dire and awful as each other. But, yeah, I was, I saw that and I thought, right, I need another point, which I gladly did. Devour straight away. Yeah, Blake, um, I, I guess sort of latched on from what Stu said then, it, would you be happy if, let's say that team started against Southampton this weekend because you look at it on paper and it's it, it, it can it can compete in the top flight. I, I know there wasn't a huge amount of changes, but again, that there was definitely a, you know an opportunity for Bruno to make more changes if he have wanted to. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think the other thing of note and something that we should keep in mind for Southampton as well is that Raul just hasn't really been himself for the past few games. And mm. I think especially after Fabio really proved himself in this game, especially, I mean, I think we'll get to that in a minute, but he did fantastic. And I'd be, honestly, I might be a little surprised if, if Jimenez starts against Southampton. I think it might be a good opportunity to sort of try and ignite a fire under him to have him come on as a sub rather than start the game. But Either way, yeah, it was a fantastic lineup to, to throw on out there. I mean, uh, you know, John Roddy, we've sort of established him as our sort of cup goalkeeper. Um, it'll be interesting to see if we keep with that down the line. But um, no, that was a it was a fantastic lineup. Yeah, um, I'll be honest. I was, say, expecting us to win. I wasn't too worried about us before kickoff. And then for the first 10 minutes, I very much was. And it <laughs> did feel like particularly 8 Nori had been on the lash on Saturday night because yeah. I can't quite remember a, a, that bad a start from a footballer in a match. And I, I, I really rate him as well. Did you guys get a little bit twitchy before, you know, we kind of calmed down after that first 10? Yeah, he just kind of looked lost at sea. And... Um... I don't know. I've I've seen it in him a lot this season, especially when he comes into uh, the opponent's half where he just doesn't quite look like he has it. You know, it's just kind of weird. Um, but yeah, he was, I mean, it, 
I, I would have almost said that he probably had money against Wolves in that game or something along those lines because it just looked <laughs> it looked foolish for for the first half really, and then he sort of brought it back with the pass to Semedo, and we'll get to that. But yeah, it was it was a weird performance from him. Now, Stu, yeah. I was going to say as a man who likes a football cliche and small plug for the football cliches podcast. Norway did commit a cardinal sin, which is a cardinal sin of football in terms of passing across your own box. Where does that rank in like unwritten rules as a footballer? Because I think I think passing across your own box, despite the new, I was going to say, styles of play, still ranks it very high. I think I'll, <laughs> you just beat me to it. Ten years ago, you'd have been lynched and you'd been dropped for about ten games if you did that. Yeah. Now it's just what? Well, okay, well, it's just part and parcel of playing out from the back, I suppose. And there's a lot of things to get mad about modern football about, and silly little signs for children is one of them. Um, but no, nah, it's it's just one of them things. To me, it looked exactly like a player who hasn't played much football in a month, mm. and. It took him longer than you'd expect to get up to speed again. But then once he did, he was, I thought he was great. Yeah. I mean, it's, you move aside from that first 10 minutes of the game. And as I said at the start, we just showed that we are several levels above the Sheffield United side. Um, you know, start start with Podence's first goal. It completely calmed the nerves. It just set us off on exactly the right path. And uh, to be honest, his performance over the, the whole game as well. Um, what are your sort of thoughts on? We'll, we'll go through um, the first goal um, first, Stu. Very similar to um, Jimenez against Everton, being mm-hmm. ready to press and exploit a mistake, which we, again, it's took a while to get this, this group of players into that kind of level of, high pressing because it's not really high pressing is it it's like pressing sometimes and then dropping off a bit more but yeah we're in the players in the right place at the right time making correct decisions and I thought Fabio (laughs) Fabio looking from his little cameo at Man United last week pretty much put himself for a start anywhere regardless if if it was a cup game like Blake said earlier I'd start him against Southampton because why wouldn't you after that performance, regardless of the opponent? And absolute fair play to him. He perfect pass, perfectly weighted pass, and Pedence didn't panic. And just started it in. And it, it was it was weird because I know those Man City fans getting a bit of stick because they didn't celebrate the fourth goal against Swindon on Friday night. And you think, oh, yeah, because why would you? You you just gone four one up against Swindon Town. And it was kind of the same thing, even though we started slowly. To me, this was like, okay, now let's calm down a bit. And it wasn't, oh, let's go all completely insane like we did on Monday for obvious reasons. It was it was weird to because we just looked fine. Even though we didn't we weren't playing well, we just looked fine. And there's a kind of calmness about this side now that I don't know if it's just me and me being all zen in twenty twenty two or whatever, but it I it's I didn't expect to score, but I didn't expect to concede. And yeah, to just get pedent of all people as well who needed a goal, like a lot of people did. Um, well, we'll come on to. So pleased for the kid because he's he's had it rough. <laughs> yeah, I think I mean I've always been a big fan of him, and 
I didn't quite realise how few goals he'd scored. Yeah. Like in the last candy year, I kind of can't quite equate it. And I think I must have said it. I can't remember if I was on with one or well, one of you when I sort of said it, I think with Podent, it's just a case of keeping him fit mm. when he plays and he gets a couple of games under his belt. He's one of our best performers, whether it's on the left or through middle, we, he creates chances. You can see why we bought him. Um, but the, the biggest sticking point is he keeps getting little niggles which send him out for six weeks. But recently, um, pretty much ever since the uh, Villa game, you could argue, mm. he's, he's probably been our one, one of our best performers, uh, certainly from an attacking point of view, like in terms of, you know, all our forward plays. He's definitely been, you know, our most creative outlet. Um, and again, you know, a couple of goals today, uh, say today, uh, yesterday, I think just showed it and I'm like, yeah, it's against less opposition, but he's getting in those positions, which we don't do an awful, we haven't done an <laughs> no. awful lot of. And, you know, I'm quite enjoying him playing as almost this, you know, almost a second striker, isn't he? Um, yeah, this... at, at times, rather than sort of on, hanging out on the left or whatever, he's probably getting it, getting in, you know, really challenging areas. Yeah, there's no, there's no surprise that he, giving him license has kind of unlocked him a bit more. It's, it, he ain't the kind of person you want to fit, like you said, stick him on the left and make him stay there. It's very and, Danny Murphy, yeah. early two thousands. I think that 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 kind of goes for a lot of the team as well because you saw it in parts where when Samedo goes wandering off and Neves kind of drops back in and they all cover for each other. And I think that's probably been one of the, the plus points of the whole season so far, where the improved players have had license to do what they want and not mm. stuck rigidly to a disciplined formation as we've had in the past. And for someone like him, I mean, it's working wonders. I mean, the, the, the little Cruyff... Would he be doing Cruyff turns last season? No. He'd have probably been dropped. <laughs> or if he'd have done... He probably wouldn't have pulled them off, is what I'd say. It wouldn't... It, it would have been... He'd have done the Cruyff turn, but then it wouldn't have gone anywhere. Hmm. And I think that's the difference. That all right, the game opened up. Sheffield United tired, but I mean, I'm skipping forward to the second goal because it kind of links into it. But it, I'm going to sound so reductionary here. In fact, my word of the day, I think I'm going to go for. Um, but you can't score goals unless you get players forward. And it was a big thing under Nuno, particularly second half of last season, where we get like one play in the box and it will be William Jose. And you're like, oh, fucking great. But you see time and time again this season that, uh, particularly actually in the last, uh, over December, to be fair, the more and more players get into the box, whether it's Neves, Martino, the fullbacks are doing it more, that, you know, and the forward line are all kind of shifting in to get into goal scoring positions. And I mean, that that second goal, surely it's got to be like one of the goals of the round in terms of the overall play, where the ball started, how it flowed through the back, how, you know, Gully made a great point on his Molyneux Musings um, Twitter account in terms of the space between the centre halves, making it really difficult for Sheffield United to press. 
and again, it comes to Podence, who does a bit of magic, and then yeah. uh, I, I, I Nori, um, uh, again, doing what you're crying out for your wingbacks to do, just take that gamble, and seeing where the space is, and just, just going for it, because you're not going to lose out on anything. You're going to gain territory at the end of it, and then good old Nelson, uh, wing-back assisted, wing-backs, and we're all big fans of Semedo here, aren't we? So seeing him score after a 70-yard run, we're having that, aren't we? All I could think of was Kim. Just thinking about how, how, how overjoyed she'd be at that moment in time. And But yeah, I think um, a lot of that, that video that went around first um, of that goal with Semedo starting the move off in the first place, not knocking it back to Ruddy from the halfway line, and you think... Mm. That's not that's deliberate. It looks deliberate because there's so many yeah. options there. You think, okay, he's going back to start something from from the base again. And a lot of people commented, "Oh, it's large ball." Mm. And this is the kind of thing that when you look at the Benfica highlights from when he was there, and it is wing backs bombing on, bodies in the box, not necessarily through strikers, but in in a four four two, and it was that kind of goal. You think, oh, this is what we were. This is the dream we were sold at the start of the season, and you are right. It, it has been, and him himself in interviews has said, we just work on attacking all the time. <laughs> we don't work yeah. on defending. They just know what to do with that. We always work on attacking, and the players have started t- saying it now as well. And it's it's coming to the forefront now. And you can see it with your own eyes. And yeah, I will I say, that. it must be so liberating for those wing backs to have the back line that we do because. It just allows you to feel so yeah. confident in moving forward, moving into the box, and you know that they're going to be able to, to if there's a break or a counterattack or what have you, that everybody's just going to get right back in their positions. We'll deal with it, and then we move on. So, yeah. No, I completely agree. And no, I think a lot of it is just, it's that beautiful mixture between it almost being system and all kind of quite methodical with a, a creative expression. Hmm. So... That that goal, I think, is sort of Stu you alludes to. That's kind of off the training ground. Yeah. In terms of they know what they're doing because they need to create the space. Where do they need to create the space? It's down the flanks. So eventually, Podence drops really deep, which ex- makes the space for Eight Nori. Now, Eight Nori needs to be brave and he needs to have so much trust in Podence not to fuck it up <laughs> because if he does, then we're exposed at the back. It's 1-0 at the time. You know, that that could go wrong. But you have to have faith in him to be able to create the space, to knock the ball over the top. But he needs to have started that run before some of that parts have happened. And if he doesn't just go for it and just have that faith and confidence in his mate, you don't score that. Again, same on the other side, because Semedo's got to make a similar movement, hasn't he? Mm. But it only comes from Podent's creating the space and having someone who's willing to go into it because again you're looping back last season opponents might come short come into the middle and try and get the ball do a turn but does eight nori um you know, does eight nori go that far forward does he stay quite deep and then we end up being quite restrictive and you know not kind of going anywhere and it did feel like <sighs> Again, I feel like I've said it three times, four times already, so apologies. <laughs> but it just sort of helped it was against slightly lower opposition and they weren't quite sharp enough to understand what was about to happen to them. Yeah, it was it was 
there were times, especially in that in the second half, when I was thinking, "This is why I love that championship season so much because it was so easy." <laughs> Every yeah. week was like this. You, you just, just, you, it's just so slaughter easy. everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's so easy to forget. And they're not a bad side, all right. They're missing Gibbs White. Granted. Well, but... even still, they're, they're mid-table. They're eighth. They have a couple games in hand. They could easily be a playoff yeah. contender this season. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're, they're a good side. And, you know, they're playing like pretty poorly. But Premier League football last season... Um, and again, you wrap it up for third goal. Yeah, it's a it's a mess up from the keeper, but it's still good work from Jimenez to you know get the ball back and retain it, and then Podence just keeping his cool. Yeah, no, yeah. it was very composed, and you know Jimenez could have easily done something very stupid there because. Um, when you watch it back, like he, he doesn't just immediately decide to do something when the keeper drops it. He just sort of kind of calmly takes a moment, keeps the keeper from being able to sort of reach around and grab the ball, and then pa- uh, calmly passes it over to, to Potence, who slides it in just effortlessly. So, yeah, it was a great team effort, to be fair, even though it was sort of a, a keeper's mistake. Yeah, like I... When I've read the, I want to say the Express and Star uh, match report, um, because I'm lazy and I forget things more than anything else, but I'd seen the goal and then read it through. And I think if you hadn't seen the goal and you're just reading about it, it does describe that, you know, he knocks it past almost like an empty net with no goalkeeper in it. It's a mistake. And it almost doesn't, I feel I'm not criticizing the writing now I say it, but, you know, if you sort of break it down to, oh, um, Jimenez disposed the goalkeeper, passed it to Podence to knock it into essentially an empty net. Whereas actually, it's about 18 yards out with a couple of players around him. And again, when you're playing with confidence, it ain't half good. And, you know, I think all, all three of the goals, I think, just showed what, what we were about at the moment. And I, I think one of the only slight tidbits for me, and I get it because you've got players who are playing well, why do you want to disrupt it? Is maybe you could have brought in someone like Jordao in earlier because he's been knocking about the bench. (laughs) He has been waiting for so long to get that opportunity. Um, But he did come on um, for a few minutes um, again. Um, Again, do you see a chance for him in the next couple of weeks against potentially um, the fourth round? Or do you still feel he is very much fourth choice and only if we really need it well i hope so you know i've every time i watch him in the under 23s i've always i've always liked what i've seen him before i've I've talked about him only before before and then he got knackered and then everything that happened after that he's never really had a chance and he's always probably spent about five six million on him or whatever whatever the the breakdown of that 20 million between him and netta was he's not a mug he's not just here to make up the numbers he was obviously bought for a reason in the first place and there's been, I mean, there's people, there's loan inquiries about him, and you think, okay, give him, a, he's going to have a chance now, and then something else happens to him, and he just needs a bit of a break. I mean, he didn't really have time to do anything and or do anything wrong, really, um, in the time he was on the pitch. So it's a bit harsh to judge him on that, but I'd give him another go. But I think I thought Kundal looked excellent in it. Yeah. The couple of touches he had, it was like, okay, this is just another one. It's a really good class control, plays a sensible ball, simple. 
Okay, yeah, we've we've bred another one here. You can see uh, you can see why they're keeping around the first team. Yeah, yeah. It um, reminded, so we're, we're, yeah. Go on. It reminded me of a bit like the um like Phil Foden being the heir apparent of David Silver kind of thing at Man City when they never they'd get criticized every year for not sending him out on loan. And mm. they said, Well, no, for his development it's all it's better to be around this squad of players and whatever. And obviously if he's around Martino and Neves every day, then that's gonna be better than going to somewhere like I don't know, somewhere like Bournemouth or whatever. So I think in them two I said the need for a centre midfielder is not that great anymore because obviously it is. <laughs> um but I would give them more time if we have the chance to. Yeah, I think seeing Jordan fit again and what one thing I was gonna query, just because I can't remember and I feel like I've made this up. Was Jordan more highly rated than Neto when he came? Slashed that that proportion of fee was more weighted towards Jordan, or I completely made that up because in my we... head it's a bit like um a Bakarian Sacco and <laughs> everyone was like Bakarian's one who's really rated here. And then of course he stank the shop up, but I can't work out if it's just because Jordan's always injured is why I'm associating with that. To be fair, I remember it being that we all thought, well, at least I thought that it was they were both just a nonsensical Mendes signing and that they just would sort of hang around and not really do much. But I could be wrong on that. When I read it, I think I was in, I was, might have been on the train. I was I was definitely in Whitby at the time. I wasn't around here. So I was kind of away from it all. If that's what, three hours away. Um, <laughs> but already and i thought well i've heard of neto probably in 442 or whatever or mundial some one of the uh one of the nerdy football magazines jordan had no clue and i was like blake i thought well okay this is grease my palms with silver kind of action again and i thought well okay this is obviously our, our little payback for him giving us Martina for five million quid <laughs> and thought nothing of it and so you look at all the highlight reels and there's nothing on him at all but for some reason, I've got that memory as well. Maybe it's just a forced thing that I don't know. I don't know where it's come from. Maybe it's just his absence is making our hearts grow fonder. <laughs> and we're just like, oh, we mu- he must be good. Because if he wasn't good, we've binned him off. So he must be good because otherwise, why would we keep having faith in him? And I'm pretty sure I slagged him off a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Um, <laughs> no, no, I didn't slag him off. That's bad. But I sort of, you know, you look at his age and the amount of appearances had, it's, it's worrying. You know, where you put that down to injuries or, or whatever. So I do hope that actually between him and Kundal, they get more of a chance second half of the season, even if it's, yeah. you know, just more than a couple of minutes at the end, give them 20 minutes, give them half an hour, you know, because, you know, we'll, we'll go on to sort of who we thought did well and things like that. And I think across the board, everyone played all right. But, you know, that Dindonka still is not someone who imposes himself. On games, oh, and I think G- G- Gully said a couple of weeks back he lacks conviction in everything he does, which isn't, ex- which isn't exactly something you want to hear as a footballer, wherever you play, or play, is it? I don't know what the point of him is. I don't. Know, I don't know why he's here. He doesn't do anything ever. It's like there was one time when he nearly he nearly played us into trouble when he went into the back three, which again he's playing there at a duress more than anything else. It's not his position, is it? He's always been bad there. But he's always been—he's been bad in midfield for the last year as well. 
it's a uh, he's, I, I'd, I'd completely forgot about him to be honest when we were talking about Kunder and George Dale then I'm thinking okay they're the two on the bench next <laughs> next in line between Neves and Martinez because Ndonka doesn't do anything like that he didn't do anything bad against Sheffield United apart from when he went into the back five but back three whichever you want um but that's kind of the point it was like okay do something give us something to look for again and is it and famous Den Dunker runs into the box where he constantly messes it up or heads it over the bar. We've had one of them this season, maybe uh, a few weeks ago. I just don't get it. I don't know what's happened to him. Yeah, no, it's such a strange phenomenon because I wouldn't even say he's bad. He's just sort of there and he just <laughs> sort of exists in his own little side of the pitch. And somehow just nothing happens like nothing ever happens with him i just i don't get it but i mean well it's not the worst thing in the world because you know it's not like he's he's conceding howlers all the time but it's it's so weird yeah i, I i'd be fascinated and I, i'm trying to rack my brains in terms of either other football teams who have a player like that or even other former ball teams who just have a player who I just can't. I, I, I used to be a really big fan of his, and I didn't. I, I didn't mind him in a back three. To be fair, I could see how it worked, but over the last like year, in particular, to be honest, year and a half, it kind of feels. You know, when he plays in for defence, he's like a midfielder playing in defence. When he plays in midfielder, it's like <laughs> centre half playing in midfield. And I, you know, we're three and a half years into him being at Wolves now, and. I don't quite know what his best position is in this formation or in any formation. I don't I mean, quite know what it is anymore. What what he's kind of really bringing to the table as much anymore, apart from me Harry's players. But I mean, that doesn't best, necessarily result in an end product, does it? His best position's on the bench. I mean, let's be honest, is <laughs> is a good utility player to have in an, in an emergency. It's exactly. like. A, He's, he's almost like a puncture, puncture repair kit. The, it'll do the job, but you can't keep that keep it long term, can you? He's, so, yeah, look at, look at the, like the spare tire that you have in the boot. It's it'll do the job for a little bit, but you can't rely on it long term. Oh, he's, I don't get it either. I don't know what's happened, but he still plays for Belgium all the time, and he still plays exactly the same. That's oh, baffling. Yeah, but, but yeah, and. My, uh, we, I think we talked transfers last week on the show, and we'll talk about them a little bit around Traore later. But because he isn't first choice, it's kind of difficult to replace him because mm. no one necessarily wants to join a team just to sit on the bench. And it's a he's a very good third, fourth choice option in a couple of positions, which does make him valuable but again I, I can't remember last time I was like you know what he's playing really well here and that's not great for a team who's done quite well this season mm. um again who else kind of Sean for you we've talked fat we've talked Fabio um a bit um is Blake anyone else um no, I don't really think so I mean it'll be interesting to see what we do now that size is missing and who would have thought last year <laughs> that we'd be missing Sice of all players? Yeah. You know, yeah. like 
to me, that's a big loss now, and I would have never thought that before. But anyways, it's going to be really interesting between him, Dendonker, um, Marshall, I mean, and Dendonker, who's going to replace him. So, I mean, I don't know if Marshall was taken off because of injury or just because Bruno wanted to see what it was like to have Dendonker back there or what. But it's going to be interesting to see what happens in future with that and whether or not that sort of breaks apart the 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 stone wall that we've had back there for these past few months. You know, yeah. I I would go for since Kilman played pretty much exactly the same on the left hand side, which is always going to be a worry. Um well for me anyway, with him being player of the year in a certain position and then you move in to accommodate someone else, it's mm. never really a good idea. But he didn't do anything wrong and he, he was still as steady as anything else. So, well Steady, and my mom was said to me, "Is he half asleep?" Because it, it was all—it was all very easy for him. He didn't have anything to do. Um, I would go full. I'll just put him on the left and put Sanderson, and just just be done with it. Because that one mistake that Marcel made, uh, where he, to be fair, he redeemed himself. He went out for a corner. Fine. He could have easily give a penalty away there, and I thought he was going. I thought he was going to bring him down. Oh, this is inevitable now. As soon as he, he was the wrong side of him, I thought, oh no. And we've already talked about Den Donker in defence. So, oh, Sanderson's been playing really well in the Championship for Birmingham. So, I'll just throw him straight in there against Southampton. It's Southampton. I mean, come on. Um, he's got to start somewhere. So, I'd, I'd play Sanderson and solve, it, solve the situation that way. Yeah, I will note that from where I was in the South Bank, it did look like Marshall was just unsure of what he was supposed to do as a centre-back. You could tell it wasn't his normal position because he would almost think he was going to break up the pitch like a wing back. And then you'd go, oh, shoot, I'm a center back. I shouldn't be doing this. And then he'd make some quick pass. Mm-hmm. And granted, they weren't mistakes. But, you know, I, I don't know if that's really a position we can really rely him on him to be to be present for, uh, especially considering, you know, no offense to him, but his height will be an issue on crosses and corners and things like that. So, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd probably go with Dendonker at the minute, but I don't know. And he hasn't played there for two years, well, two and a half years. When he's yeah. playing against Man City in the Champions League, so it's been a long time for him to play a certain <laughs> position where he's been converted from one thing to another and then back again. And yeah, he did look like uh, a little boy lost at times. But I thought, yeah, you know, pains me to say it in a, in a way, but I thought Rudy was really good. Yeah, I thought Rudy was yeah. really commanding. Yeah, like a Soviet sharp, fantastic. Yeah, and. There's so many. He made himself big for um, that shockingness from <laughs> which I mean, I watched the highlights again earlier because I hadn't watched Match of Day two yet, and the fake gold up <laughs> front for them. Yeah, he's, uh, I, he could have headed that. He could. He could have. Could have met it earlier. He could have done anything possible with it, and for it to kind of trickle and then be saved on the line. It might have not even gone over the line anyway. It was that feeble. <laughs> But Rudy was there and he did his job. And there's been times in the last four years where Rudy hasn't done his job. And that's been a, a big problem that's fucked us up over and over again. So fair is fair. When he when he plays like that and he does his job properly, give him credit for it. Yeah, you say 3-0. Clean sheets plus goals. We really can't really nothing to really nothing to moan about, even though we always try really hard to. Um <laughs> Before we do Man of a Match, and I'm realising time's ticking by, guys. 
Let's talk about asking for shirts. <laughs> so, you might have seen, it came across social media, uh, but the young guy in the South Bank who had the... Uh, I'm trying to think the best way to describe it for people. He had a um, cardboard cut out of his shirt with Connor Cody on one side saying, Connor, can I have your shirt, please? But on the other side, he had one for yeah, in some flag saying, Raul, can I have your shirt, please? Now, somebody made a very good point on the Fancast Twitter about this and said, shouldn't do extreme punishments, but a five-year stadium ban should suffice. And, yeah. Um, so, uh, Stu, how, how old are your kids again, sorry? Ten and four. Ten and four. So your ten-year-old's probably sort of at a football watching age yeah i mean would he you, had a, would, would you encourage yeah. that sort of behavior I'm, I'm genuinely curious now well he wouldn't be going with me if he did <laughs> it's <laughs> it's it's not them is it this is the point it's not them who's doing it it's the parents mm. who want the shirt and this isn't a new thing we saw this remember at villa blake we saw this at villa someone yeah. had a reversible sign there for tr- one for sorry for trial right for god knows what reason and then uh, probably rowl the other so this reverse, this having reversible signs is even worse than just having one on, on its own. First couple of times, it, it someone did it fine, okay, it's sweet, cute, whatever. But it's like an institution now. You, you have to see if you're a kid, you have to take something, you have to put a begging sign up. Just fuck off! It's it's not it's not gladiators. It's it's football, and if people just don't give in to them, this is the only thing that's going to stop it. It does if, feel, yeah. You don't just have don't, to or, do it. Or give it to someone who hasn't got a sign, and that'll show them. Yeah. And that's the only way that it'll stop. It's going to get. It's going to turn into a plague. Because you don't. a footballer doesn't have to. I think it's always quite nice, actually, if a player does give away a shirt at the end of each game. Like, you know, they, I can't imagine them really reusing the shirts and things like that. But there is something I don't quite like, the emotional manipulation of it in the first place because it is very much i want you to see this i need like and you say it's not going to be driven by an eight-year-old no it is it it ain't Um, spoken spoken from personal experience it's very american (laughs) and it's yeah it's it's just one of those things that it especially doesn't belong the south bank but it's (laughs) it's just it is a bit cringe, isn't it? It it is one of those things where whenever you see a sign, it's just yeah. You feel um, you almost feel sorry for like the kid, and as Stu said, it is the parents. It it really is the parents. There's no doubt about that. It's like this this ten year old kid isn't writing perfectly in cursive. Cody, can I have your shirt? So it's it's just sad. And there was there was a story on the um, it might have been the Totally Show last week about how um, a group of lads did it in Burnley and they, they, they did it properly and they had it in felt tip and everything and, and, and multiple pieces of card asking Ben Nee for his shirt and they did it as a dare and he did, he gave it to <laughs> he gave it to him. He wasn't even a Burnley fan, but he, they just went to the game because you can get tickets to Burnley, of course. Yeah. And when you do things like that, another guy who, who was a mascot at Brentford a few years ago, if you're doing it for a piss take, then yeah, fine, okay. But... No, just no. Yeah. I was going to say, I might do a poll on this tomorrow if I can remember to do it. We'll just do first come, 
first answer that comes to your head, what's worse? Reversible signs asking for tops or a half and half scarf? Hmm. See, uh, there's there's a time and place for them scarves. And for like European games, as a memento, I can kind of get it in a knockout round, maybe, because it's a one-off for you in a different country and a different place, whatever. But for Wolves Southampton on a Saturday afternoon, three o'clock in the Premier League in January, there's going to be them because there is every week. Why? Why on earth would you get one of them? Unless you, you unless you, fair, fair, fair. Unless you're an American coming over here and it's your first, or your first game, or it's going to be your only game for like five years or whatever, and you want a memento, then okay. I understand it from that point of view, but there's shitloads of them. There's not that many people who it's their first game every week. I don't know who has, where do they go? Or do you put them up on the wall? Yeah. Well, like Stu says, I have like one or two as a memento, but I would never wear them. I would never be seen with one. Like I might eventually hang it up once I move out of this flat and into a house, but like that would be it. So I think there is a context in which, half and half scarves at least make some sense but i don't know if there is a context where these signs of oh please please can i please <laughs> have your shirt um are ever not cringe it's just i don't like it i just do not like it are we just old <laughs> we are yeah <laughs> no it's the kids who are wrong <laughs> yeah it does feel very much like uh you know and angry middle-aged men and Blake uh, <laughs> getting angry at people younger than us. But um, we'll wrap up talking about Sheffield United. Uh, we're going to take a short break, guys. Afterwards, we're going to talk about the fourth round draw. Um, I was going to say who it was against. I was like, well, I'll keep you on the hook. <laughs> Most people already know. So we'll talk about the fourth round. We'll talk a bit about Troy and we'll do Twitter Corner. We'll be back right after this. Hi, it's Richard from Wolves Fancast here. Just interrupting today's show before we get back to some questionable opinions and opinionated questions to talk to you a little bit about our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. They are a design agency that put you and your business first from web design, logo and branding design and marketing. If you have any marketing needs, get in touch with them to find out how they can help you get it right. They are over at pixelyettingmedia.com. Com. Now let's get back to a show where we can give you some really forced wordplay, niche cultural references, and maybe even a bit of football talk. Hello and welcome back. Um, Wolves pretty much after full time, about only about half an hour later. Um, the fourth round was drawn uh, for the FA Cup. We have not home, so uh, another home tie. Um, I was going to say against championship opposition but that seems really cool to say but you know um they are yeah still still technically an old premier league tie um Stu, we've always talked about how we are always up for the cup a bit underwhelming as a draw though how many years do we have to go through this every single time get my, my little hopes up there was four opportunities this time four four places i've never been to ever a lot of places there, a lot of clubs. I ain't been to it for a long time. I don't even taken that. But then the next best thing is a home draw. And if it had been Norwich, Norwich away would have been awful. 
At yeah. least it's at home. At least it's going to be yeah. 15 quid probably. It's more than likely going to be on a Saturday, 3 o'clock. So <laughs> you've got to be up for the cup at that point because they're shit. And <laughs> we will beat them again. I know we didn't <laughs> beat them away a few um, weeks ago, but then you make these circumstances and Wolves away from home at that point, blah, blah, blah. They're more than beatable. So I don't think even even just a couple of changes, fine. Ruddy will play again. We all know that. Yeah. And it's it's one of them. It's If we lose to Norwich, I'll be very pissed off. So, yeah, yeah exactly. absolutely up for the cup. Yeah, no, I think it's... It's one of those ties that, and I don't want to jinx anything, but you really do look at it and think, okay, well, we're winning this one. In all seriousness, I don't see a way in which, if we actually try and if we actually put out our first 11, um, I, I don't see us, us losing, unless maybe there's something fluky in a penalty shootout or what have you. I, I just don't see it happening. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm happy with it because... I think it's probably one of the easiest ties we probably could have had because to me, I think Norwich probably won't be as up for it if we're being honest, although maybe they are. We don't know yet, but I, I don't know. I think it is what it is. And uh, as Stu said, it's way better than having to go all the way out to Norwich. Um, so I'll take it, you know. Um, it. I would have been equally as disappointed if we had drawn like Kidderminster at home or something like that. Mm. And we were that close to, to having this amazing away day. And then it's, uh, we, we got to play at home again. So I don't mind it that much. Yeah, I think there is almost like a perfect formula for what you want in a cup tie. And I think it depends on what stage it's at. And I think particularly third and fourth round, you just want something a bit different. Yeah. And, you know, I assume we're still going to play a pretty strong side. Again, I'm I'm imagining it's going to be basically the same team we played against Sheffield United. But you maybe you rest Nevers or Moutinho, maybe Rahul, Raul Silva's potential swap there, and I, I assume Hoover was probably going to start yesterday if it wasn't for COVID. Um, so you know, yeah. pretty pretty much usual rotation, I guess. Um, but that should still be more than enough to beat this Norwich side. Um, but it would have been, it would have been nice to have seen us against. You say maybe Kitty would have been nice as a bit of a local one. Boreham Wood from a lower, you know, from again lower division side of things, or even someone like Luton, and just really mix it up again. Um, I I really want to see Kenilworth Road. <laughs> it's inevitably bulldozed into oblivion. So. Hopefully we'll draw them in something one day, but yeah, I don't know. It's, you know, these cup ties can be really special when you have these smaller teams going up against these big clubs. And, you know, speaking as an American, just sort of since we've talked about that, it's just something so different to me that, that I've never really experienced before. These almost tiny little middle clubs going up against the big boys and every now and again, they somehow win it. So to me, it's a little disappointing not to be a part of that, at least not in the fifth or what are we in now? The fourth round, fifth round, hmm. fifth round, right? Yeah. Cool. Uh, I don't know. Whatever round we're in. Um, but, you know, there's there's always the next round. So we don't know. We'll see. Yeah. And like, I do sort of think that like, it, it, it's not that appealing for a fan. 
for, for want of a better term. And, you know, we, we've seen the photos of the Albion at the weekend <laughs> and stuff like that. And, you know, the attendance was a bit lower, I think partly down to the amount of fans that Sheffield United bought as well. Um, but actually, it's still a winnable tie. And it's a Premier League opposition who could, you know, let, let's say if Norwich drew um, Stoke or they, or say they, they drew Luton, they, they'd fancy their chances in that get in those games. And that would still be another Premier League team into the fifth round. So at least we're beating someone of a slightly higher calibre who would just be occupying a pace later on rather than, you know, getting a Chelsea. Mm. I was going to say Chelsea or an Arsenal, but lol. Um, yeah, so I think from a fan's perspective, not that inspiring, not that exciting. But I guess from the Wolves perspective and, you know, from a competitive, you know, viewpoint, I don't think they're going to be too disappointed with, a, you know, playing the worst team in our division for a significant amount of time. No. And I think, same thing of the uh, attendance as well. At the end, 27,000 was superb yeah. for that. And the fact that it was all them, because you got to mm. remember, it's, they had 4,500 sold, what, one and a half, maybe? Mm. Get, so that's why the, the um, quadrant upper wasn't was empty, because it, it was theirs. And they didn't even sell the steeple lower. So for a near-home area sellout against... Sheffield United on a Sunday yeah. was brilliant. Was brilliant. It was a brilliant effort from everyone. And you think if it's Saturday three o'clock, you think you're going to be around about twenty five, twenty six again. Which mm. price it right, and they will come. Yeah, and yeah, you know, for for everything I sort of say about it not being that inspiring, it's still against a half decent opposition, and we're pretty sure that it's not going to be a poor team either. So if it is still like. You know, I've seen it was a lot of people's first time they're taking their kids to a game, a lot of people who can't always get tickets. And actually, it's still an opportunity for fans who don't have that access via season tickets, which are in huge demand, to still to still go to games. And I think, you know, I've seen a couple of things online about, um, you know, phrase day trippers seems to have cropped up a lot recently, <laughs> which I don't quite know how I feel about it. Um because you know it's hard to get tickets. You can't. Have, you, day trippers don't exist in the cup games. Just, that's yeah. that's that's Premier League leftovers who've got scav tickets off ticket, certain ticketing sites. That's day trippers, not cup games. Yeah. Um, so again, I think it's a really good opportunity for ones like that. It's you know it's almost certainly going to be a boring time. I'll be. <laughs> gobsmacked if it has got a prime time viewing although judging by the tv schedules this weekend um they might go oh all premier league tie oh <laughs> tell me more about norwich city and Wolves. um so yeah i think it'll still be a good opportunity from that perspective as well um there's not been a whole lot i, I know dan would have done the Danston preview show for the Norwich game where we talked a bit about transfers. The Adama stuff still isn't going away. He's got 18 months left on his contract. The talks have stalled. The Spurs rumours aren't really going away. I mean, if you want my honest opinion, I think a lot of what is happening now 
is being pushed via certain agents in terms of trying to manufacture a move. Stu, what's your whole take on the Adama stuff at the moment? Whether, you know, sell, how are you viewing it all? Break it down for me. We bought him for 18. Okay. Has he improved in four years? No, he hasn't. <laughs> Does he? Let's talk about numbers again. The assist thing is not his fault. Sometimes. Because if he lays it on a plate and people fuck up, that's not his fault, is it? But the fact that, and if you haven't checked it out, go and, go and look at Football Appreciation on YouTube. Very, very good channel. Um, Stats-based analysis and stuff. It's mainly on Wolves. And he did a thing on there where he compared Troy XG and his XG for assists, which I can't remember what it is. Um, with Trinkau, who everyone hates so for some reason, um, Trinkau was better. <laughs> and in every metric, Trinkau, better goals than he should have, should have more assists as well. And you think, okay, well, Troyer has been in this country for, what, six, seven years now with Middlesbrough and Villa as well. He hasn't improved at all. If we can get 20 million quid for him, it's ridiculous money. And yeah, I know because he was, people were talking, yeah, 50, 60, when he was at the height of his powers, when he was playing well every week, when he wasn't doing stupid things over and over again, 20 million seems a bit of a come down. But when you think of it logically, the guy doesn't want to stay past next summer. This contract's been on the table for 15 months, according to Tim Spears. They're not going to offer him any more. And why should they? Because he doesn't, he doesn't warrant. It's obviously going to be an improved deal anyway on what he's on now. He wants to be a top owner at this club. He doesn't deserve to be. It's not just me hating him. He doesn't deserve to be a top owner at this club. Not one of the top anyway, because his output doesn't deserve it. Yeah, he runs past people and he can take people on. And there was a, t- a moment in the second half where he beat about four, then got hacked down, which was the best moment of the game for him. But then that's all well and good. But then the other side of his game, where he misses an absolute sitter again from just inside the penalty area, which just blazes over that again no one talks about. It's not good enough. It's just not good enough anymore. And the fact that we have a chance now to get rid of him, we've got other players around. Neto's coming back. We now we don't know what what condition he's going to be in. But we got a chance now of getting some money for him. To me, on Sunday, he didn't be interested in large part of that game. He didn't look asked. And I think, well, come on, mate. You've got to put yourself in the shop window at least, like he did in the first three games when he was amazing, and then the transfer window closed and he was shit again. <laughs> Is that a conspiracy theory? No, it's because it's fact. And uh, it's not... It's human nature of course it is that you want to if you want to move somewhere you want to get a better pay rise you got to you got to put yourself out more to me on sunday he was one of the worst players in our team on our team against a mid table championship side i'm not picking on him it's just how it was and i know dan said as well and we we put it out on twitter would you rather keep him and take take the hit on him and if we get into europe but he's not doing anything anyway <laughs> He's had three games this season where he's made a real impact. Villa, again, fair. He's yeah. him making a pest of himself. 
putting himself about. But then it's all fits and starts, and it's for 20 million quid when we've got no money at all for whatever reason that is. They don't want to give us money, fine. We have to create our own money. We're not going to get anything that anywhere near that in the summer. We're just not. So for me, if they're offering 20 million, no pissing about with other people involved, flat out 20 million quid in money, in cold hard cash, not NFTs or any, any crypto bollocks. Actual, Can you imagine? Can you actual, imagine? actual money, take it and run. Just, just Let's just get the whole thing over and done with and then we can all move on. So this argument don't come up every week. So, Blake, my, I was going to say, my question to you is a slightly different one. But do you think, uh, I don't necessarily agree fully with Stu, but I, I get his opinion. Um, do you think there's a reticence to sell Trial Ray because of his potential impact, even though after three and a half years, we're still yet to see it as a football club? And do you think that's kind of holding them back? That, that there is almost that, I don't know, ego's a bit of a strong word, but thinking, you know what, if we can get him, you know, 10 goals, 10 assists in a season, then he'll be worth it. And we think we can do it. But do you think we're kind of at a tipping point now? It's a tough call. I'm glad that I'm not the one making it. And I wish I was. I think the question that I find myself asking is, are we better off without him? And I'm not convinced as, as bad as he is. And I use, I don't necessarily know if bad is even the word as, as not up to his potential as he is. Are we worse off with him? Are we better off without him? And I don't think the answer to any of those questions is no. So personally, I don't know what the money situation is with Fosin. I don't know if they want to to break even with with Adam or not. If they want to break even with them, I would say sell now. If they're willing to take the hit, then I think that you just keep him around for the next few months, see what he does, see if he improves. Because I, I don't think that, yeah, sure, Neto's coming back and everything, but it's not as if our wing situation is fully figured out and we're just never going to play Adama again. We're going to, I mean, I think Adama makes an, an unbelievable impression off the bench, even when he isn't playing particularly well, even when he is quote unquote bad. So I just think that if we want to make any money off of him, then yes, now is the time to sell, but I'm not sure. I'm not convinced that, if football is really what's on our minds, that selling him now is the best decision? Yeah, I think you, you've you, you've split it up, actually, in, in really good sort of terms because you've got a finance perspective and a footballing basis. Now, I'm of the opinion, if you've got a player of 18 months left on, on a contract, a decision, needed, a, a decision needed to have been made a month ago in terms of what you're doing with him. If he hasn't signed a contract by January, then you need to probably move him on just because it's a rate of diminishing returns then. And you look at almost the, the, the stats and the numbers of, you know, what 
what players are valued at almost 18 months left on a contract to a season. And that gives the player so much leverage into and and opposite and um, other clubs as well. And the agent, and you know, let's not forget who his agent is to actually lower that price down. And I don't, I think if you wait until the summer, I struggle to see if you break even as it were. Now, I think if you're really saying break even, it's 25 million because you include your wages. Um, if I'm being really shitty, uh, which I am, you know me, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely include everything, you know, at all the, you know, all the spare boots he's brought home, all the shirts he's given into the crowd, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll all tap it up at the end. But um, yeah, I think if you've got a player of 18 months left on his contract, if he isn't signing it, sell him. Because we are starting to move to the world of, you know, it's a very NFL influence, but free agency players because they can garner more money off clubs. Now, I'm a Wolves fan. I'm not an Adama Traore fan. My interest is in Wolves making and being a good football club. It is not in seeing Adama Traore earn as much as he can and earn his bag, as they'd say, in America. So from that point of view, I'd sell him because we're not good. We get, you know, six months down the line, I already kind of shared my viewpoints on the upcoming transfer windows with my tin hat, but it's all going to go a bit, you know, a bit funny in the next couple of windows anyway because of the World Cup. And if Triore's really serious about playing for Spain in the World Cup, he needs to be playing regularly. He needs to be having that, um, you know, he, he still needs that game time at a good club. Um, from a football perspective, that's an, re- a much harder one for me because I still don't quite know where I stand on him. Are we a better team with him or without him? I think if you look at our wins this season, he's... Not been there. Yeah, you know, it's... It, it, it's so tricky. Um, and, of course, you know, if we ever get 20-odd million for him, can we invest it? Can we get a new winger in? Or would it be a case of, actually, you know, we can get somebody in on loan, or we have faith in a Trincao and Podence until mid-February, then we get Huang back, then we get, um, you know, potentially Neto coming back. Do you push someone like Samedo a little bit further forward or rate Nori further forward? Um, do you play Kundal? Do you switch formation and go Silver and Jimenez up front with Podence behind? You know, there's a whole other myriad of stuff, whether you kind of invest the money now or, or later. But the more time ticks on, the, I'm kind of shifting towards we sell him just from a money point of view because I think we could argue whether he is a good football until the cows come home really um because he brings something but not he it's brings so, something to the table but it ain't a meal yeah it's a it's like that vinegar thing that you get with special bread that no no one knows what well it actually is or why why it's nice but it is and he's he's a sideshow this is the problem this is the problem he's more of a sideshow than a, an effect, you know, like a thing is, everyone like we mentioned earlier about players who've improved under Bruno Lage this season already. 
When you look at Neves revitalised, Matinho looking 28, 35 or whatever he is. Samedo pushed on. Aynuri again, massive improvement. Kilman, obviously King Kilman was always there. He just needed to be unravelled for the world. Cody, steady. Everyone in that first team has improved massively. Apart from Adama Traore again. And he's... my main problem with him is his finishing, and it's fucking awful. <laughs> it's it's awful, and no one can even the biggest trailer fan in the world can say to me that that's going to get better because it's not. Not at his age, he just can't shoot, <laughs> and it's and we've seen him score brilliant. Like that, everyone says, "Oh, the Man City, the two goals of Man City." Yeah, fine. How many how many goals has he got in four years? Is it four? <laughs> Five? It's outrageous how, how shitty he is at shooting. And there's been people like this whole Spurs project of playing him in a wing back. If he was switched on and he could defend, all for that. Well, we tried it and it's worked a couple of times. I don't think he's good enough now, still, to be playing in a front three because his end product, from a finishing point of view, it's shocking, and it just is. It's shocking, and it's been it's been the case over and over again this season for us. And we'd be how many more points would we have if he hadn't fucked up so many times from a finishing point of view, not from assist, from a finishing point of view. And it just it just baffles me. <laughs> he he's the most baffling, confusing player I've ever seen in my entire life anywhere. Because you want to love him, and I. If he, signed a new, if he signed that contract and he's here for another three years, you think, okay, Bruno might be able to get something out of him. Something might happen. It probably won't, but it might. But then you got, okay, he's got time to work with him. And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't necessarily be completely against that, but at least he's committing then. He's committing his future. And at the minute, yeah. like, like you said, Rich, he's pissing about. He's got an offer there that so many players would dream of, you'd think. And he thinks he's better than that. And if he ain't signed by the end of the week, then fuck him off. Yeah. Um, interestingly, your main gripe against him is goals. That's not actually my biggest gripe against him. It's his positioning. And it's the... So it only sprung to mind when you were talking about it. The goal, on, the second goal and Samedo's run. I don't see trying to make him that run. No. And that's what you need from him because he relies so much on this pace, but it's start. he doesn't necessarily utilise it in the way you want him to. And because of it and how he plays and how he dribbles with the ball, and it's magical to watch him full flow, it, it kind of shifts how we play as a team. And if he could get that part to his game where... You know, you, you point out that in, in terms of goals, it's seven goals he's got in 120 games, I think it is. Something like that. I think I had a quick look. 121 games in the league. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's it, he's got... It's one in 15, he averages, because he's got a couple in cups as well. So it's 152 games for Wolves and 10 goals. So Jody Craddock has still scored more than goals for Wolves than Traore. Just, just to put that out there, still... That's still yes. the case. So, it's once against Man City. They both happened exactly the same way. 
my thing was that is it re- all you had to do was pass it into the net. Really simple, really calm. You see it with Raheem Sterling. A lot of his goals just come from the same position. Just mm. I don't don't need to be a fantastic finisher. Just get in a good position. Just get in a simple position where you can pass it in. But you need to get in that position, and he doesn't do that. And you and we need someone who can do that. That's what Poland brings. Mm. That's what Huang brings. And that's the difference because both of those have got the movement to create the space to then be manipulated by two other forward players. But they can also get into a position where the other one essentially creates the, creates the opportunity. And we're in an age, we're in a system where it is a team focus to get those movements and just it's not fully clicking and it's like we, we can keep dreaming we can keep hoping it's gonna come off and pay but he's gonna keep just pounding an opposition that he keeps getting goals and assists and whatever but with you said we're three and a half years in now and we we've never quite seen it so under yeah. under under two managers now as well this is the, who are both who are both coaches yeah and i think i i said this me and Blake said it before, like this is Nuno and Bruno were have both been bought in because they improve players, because they are coaches, because they you know they, they look to improve what they have rather than just saying, Well, I I automatically need another player and they haven't got it out of him. Yeah. Um, I think he's attribute wise, he's a Champions League player, hundred percent. You can't I mean, physically superb. He's got everything going for him, but his decision making and his football brain—he's like League Two at times. It's just he's just not there, and I think that's why when, when he, the wing back projects failed so many times because he's not—he's not switched on. In he's—it's like a proper slag it off again. And I don't—he seems like a nice guy as well, which is, makes it hard because I know he's it's, lovely. If he was an arse, if he was like Greg Halford, who we all hate anyway, regardless of how shit he was, then it'd be fine. But it's just he's not like we said, when we said before he's not he's not got a football brain he's not clever enough from a football point of view he's not it's it's a fact he's just not he hasn't got it and it, at his age it would have clicked by now. You say so he's twenty five. He's twenty five, about to turn twenty six, and yeah. no. Yeah, I, part of me thinks you know what, see if Antonio Conte can rattle it out of him, and but as Blake said. Are we improving another side and detrimenting ourselves and things like that? We, we're going to go around. Only time's going to tell, isn't it? In terms of can some can he do it at another club at this level? I hope. Um, he, I hope he goes back. It, in an ideal world, he'd go back to Barcelona and he'd, he'd be he'd win. He'd win Ballon d'Or for Barcelona. That'd be, in an ideal world, that'd happen. Then we all we could all be happy for him. But it's not going to happen, is it? Uh, well. Tell you what, let's wrap up Troyori chat for there. Troyori talk, even. Good to miss the, uh, the alliteration there. Should we do a bit of Twitter corners to round off today's show? Because I re- realise we've basically done a 10 minute rant on Troyori. And <laughs> let's say, for someone who can bring so much joy to you on a football pitch as well. But I say, I think we were a bit of a crossroads with him, especially with the contract, which I think is the big thing over hanging a lot of the situation for a lot of fans, particularly me. So let's do some Twitter corner. Um, I don't think there's any trial ones in there, so 
Fingers crossed, guys. Uh, right, up first. Should we do a fun one first? Uh, let me see if I can find the fun one. Do, 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 do. It's from David Evans, dear founder of the podcast. I'm literally just flicking through all the questions now. There we go. Um, so if you could bend time to your will, which Dave, you know I can, um, what wolves, what would wolves what would be the wolves equivalent of Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, and Toby Maguire all appearing on screen at the same time, but on the modern new turf? Well you think that our best player at the minute one of our best players of the minute nevers. So then you think about what who's our best midfielder in two thousand and one to Paulins, maybe? So and then do the same for when Garfield was there, so that's two thousand fourteen. So you think in a, a midfield of Neves, Ince and Dave Edwards? Ah, uh, see, I had in my head very similar. I had Neves in my head and I was thinking culture. Suave. Rocket of a foot. And I went Milias. Mm. And then I was really annoyed because I thought of my third one in Fernando Gomez. <laughs> but then it didn't quite work with Milias and the time. Yeah. But I'm thinking that the other idea was um oh what was my other one? I've completely blanked on it now. It's a real shame we haven't had three Korean players. <laughs> we are we are we are we we are like if we'd have got Sun Hong Minning before by Leverkusen or whatever, that would have been a nice one, I think, as well. Um I think you could do it with goalkeepers quite easily though. That's one of the few so, areas. Yeah. It can, um, you think it, it, it if we stick it in... be it would be a kind of cool throwback to see kind of walk onto the pitch, I think. Yeah, well Matt, Matt, Matt Murray, yeah. Yukimi and Saar. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. That 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 I, th- I think those would be my free Dave, um, to be fair. I think that works quite nicely. Um one for Blake. Um if a significant offer came in for Raul this month, would you consider selling? We are basing this off like a game and a bit for silver, it feels like slightly. <laughs> like, we uh, are just like uh, he's, he must be fucking great now. If we had someone lined up for, for Jimenez, then yeah, I, I would take someone. I would take I would take that offer. I, I just don't get me wrong, I love Jimenez for who he is and what he's done for this club, but are his best days behind him? I think so. I, I, I'm I, not convinced that he's ever going to fully recover from this. I'm not convinced that he's ever going to be the player that he once was. And we were kind of talking about financially with Traore, like getting your money back. And I think this is sort of a, a situation where if we want to make money off Jimenez, now might be the only time we get an opportunity to because I'm I I love Jimenez and I would love for him to have that sort of fairy tale come back to form and he's he's one of the best strikers in in England again but I just don't see it happening now I don't think you could sell him right now because we don't really have anybody up front to begin with um so we would have to have someone ready to sign to replace him and knowing Fosun, there's no chance that that's going to be the case. So from a realistic standpoint, I don't think there's any chance that we're selling him, but if the star is aligned, then 
yeah, I think I would take take a considerable offer if it was considerable, you know, if it was a fair offer, if it was worth our time, then yeah, I think I would take it. Okay, interesting. Right, flashback over to Stu then. Um, do you think Ryan Giles and Dion Sanderson will be here just for January, or do you think and do you think they'll get loaned out again, or do you think we've got them for the um for the rest of the season? Now that's some Stuart Jones. I think they'll probably go back out on loan. And I hope not, mm-hmm. but I hope they both have enough time and they get a chance to show what, what they can do. I mean, I, when we were linked to, when we were linked with um, certain other Cardiff players in the summer, and I thought, mm, okay. But then it kind of brewed up again and up again. And I mentioned bringing Ryan Giles back because he was as assists and everything at the time. And obviously got lambasted for it because he was only only the championship. Same with Sanderson when he was man of the match every single week for Sunderland. Again, that was only League One. And look what happened. Sanderson went to play. He'd already played in the championship at that point anyway. And now he's going to step up again. Perfectly fine performances for, for Birmingham. So at some point, you've got to have to just... Like Kilman. Kilman, they gave Kilman had a chance. He went from Maiden to the Premier League via a few minutes in Europe. You've got to start somewhere. You've got to take. You've got to roll the dice eventually, and hopefully, I hope that they both get a chance to prove what they can do. But realistically, they'll probably be back out somewhere else. Sadly. Mm. Right. Um, Bradders seventy seven asks. Um, could Raul and Fabio work as a front pairing, or do you think it's very much overall slash one up front? Um, personally, I like the idea of it because two strikers, more chance of scoring goals, but without a third one really pushing from the bench, unless Patrick Trone comes back, <laughs> then I don't see it happening to you guys. I mean, we rely on wingers so much now that I just think that having a front two is a bit obstructive, you know? Um, granted, I'm not opposed to having four players up there considering we've barely, we've only scored 14 goals the whole season. But, <laughs> you know, I, I just think that realistically we've been defending so well and I think our formation has has done us really, really well. Uh, I... As great as I think it could be, I, I just don't trust it enough to say, yeah, let's do it. Uh, I mean, how can you even... Unless you went 3-5-2, because we're going to be pl- yeah. we're going to play with a back three anyway, regardless. And I'm for, thinking 3-5-2, Podence. Exactly what I was going to say. If you're playing Podence there and giving just free realm to do what he wants... If we've got wing-backs playing like they did for the second goal, it could work brilliantly. It could be very. It could be like Bull and Keane. <laughs> Regen, Bull and Keane. But is Podence going to work playing that sort of wing-back role? I'm no, not convinced. No, 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 no. no. no Podence in the hole. Oh, trend. in the hole. Got it. Yeah. Got it, got it. He doesn't have to stay there. He could go wherever he wants. But he's good enough to do that. And that then solves the problem if Traore has gone that Aneto doesn't come back to be the player that he, he is. And, and then we've got Trincao being Trincao. Who you'd, who knows? He could flourish there. Then you got two. It, it could work. I mean, it's worth a try at least. Mm, 
I'm going to say a weird one. We'll all come in. I was going to be a bit like, nah, but I think it's got a bit of potential, to be fair. Um, again, similar lines around um, Fabio Silva um, from uh, Team Jammer. Uh, Fabio Silva and Podent should start more games. Uh, they're like a dynamic duo up top. I do quite like when Podent does play at front because, uh, all right, to be fair, Silva's quite tall. Raul's quite tall, but you immediately go big man, little man. And I can't get my head away from it, can you, Stu? Like in terms of like classic 90s football, but if you're playing two up front, you have to have that height difference. It doesn't work otherwise. You can't have two big men. No. Which kind of is the opposite of what we've just been talking about. I appreciate. So, you know, we're prisoners of the moment. So we're, we're on we're on this at the moment. Hesky and Owie. Yeah. Nice. Quinn and Phillips. Yeah. I mean, so, how, so, Sutton and Shearer, they were about similar heights. So yeah. Kind of, that's the, that's the uh, Fabio and Raul. Where does Sheringham, 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 yes, yes, but Sheringham liked to drop deep. I didn't really see, he's yeah. not, it was tall, but he wasn't imposing. I always sort of saw more as a bit of a he's, playmate. He's over six foot, are you telling Sheringham? Yeah, he was big, yeah. He wasn't small. But yeah. yeah. Robbie Keane and Berbatov. <laughs> is it because Robbie Keane is stuck in my head at this point? But yeah, again, I, I do quite like it up front and particularly because of how Podence moves and stuff like that. Him being up front with someone who's got a bit more physicality, I, I am enjoying um, a lot of the moment. Um, right, last question. I'm deciding to take this, guys, in a bit of a fun way. So the question's from someone. That's what it's got is his Twitter name, by the way, guys. Um, if Adama left in January, what would your drink of choice be at the party? Now, I don't know what the tone of that is or whatever, so I'm just gonna say it's only leave and do. So we're on we're on a night he's been he's been here for three and a half years. We've all got to know him, you know, he's he chips in with the you know Christmas tips and whatever. So we're only leave and do for him. We're going up, I don't know, where should we where should we go on this night out? Uh, Gifford, we go. We, yeah, he's got. We've gone Gifford. What, uh, what are you going to drink with him? Bear in mind, it's his night, and you're taking him to the Gifford. <laughs> well, he's, this is what you could have won, kind of thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> it has to be something that something special. Like I was going to say, here's me. I was going to say Red Bull, and I could be try and be as fast as him. You know, I th- I'm thinking what today? Hmm. Green chartreuse. I heard that for years. That's um, you can find it. That's exceptional liqueur. But um, yeah, I'll say that because yeah. it, it's it's different. You don't really know exactly what it is or what it's for, but it's really good in uh, in small doses. Very much like Triore. <laughs> With a strong finish, or for a very strong finish, <laughs> unlike Triore. <laughs> <laughs> Blake, how about you? What are you what are you having on your nights and your leaving party? Um. Jaeger bombs would be a very Adama Traor, Traori drink. Yeah. But um, I think whiskey because you don't really know why you like it. It packs a massive punch, <laughs> but in the end, it's just total shit. And you know it is. So there you have it. <laughs> He's the Jack Daniels of the uh, footballing world. Is that what we're going for? 
I guess it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, on that bombshell, we're going to wrap up recording um, and the show for today. Big thanks to everyone who's listened. Uh, we'll be back to preview the aforementioned Southampton game this weekend. Um, big shout outs to uh, 90 Min Football family network of podcasts and up to our sponsors pixel yeti media go check them out at pixelyetimedia.com um what other admin our social media ah i'm clicking going right through it today so make sure you keep up to all thank us for all your lols and trolls and bad photoshops we're at wolf's fancast on twitter facebook and instagram um and until next time it's goodbye from Stu. No, we, we should curse Fabio Silva oh. with different haircuts every single week and not delete them this time. Keep them up for everyone to see because it clearly works. Wonders. That, was the mo- that was the motivation he needed and that's all we're going to say on it. Yes. See you later, guys. Try. <laughs> it's goodbye from Blake. See you, everybody. And it's goodbye from me. See you next time. <laughs> Who would be a Wolves fan, eh? I'm going